Good Thursday afternoon, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. A pleasure to connect with you guys through the I Love Seville network, a network presented today by the Clifton in Keswick. I very much encourage viewers and listeners to consider the Clifton for dining, for happy hour, and for special events, and for hotel lodging. My wife and I absolutely love the restaurant environment and the cocktail environment at the Clifton in Keswick. It's romantic, it's intimate, the staff is trained, the menu is innovative and delicious. The Clifton and Keswick. Guys, look at the screen for today's headlines. We're going to talk about a project on High Street that has many in this community concerned and civically engaged. And that's a 245 apartment unit complex that's in the hopper on High Street in the Rivanna River floodplain. Now the city of Charlottesville is considering purchasing the property to to keep a 245-unit apartment complex from materializing because the outcry has been so significant. The city is going to spend about $4,000 to hire an appraiser to determine the value of a 21-acre property near Freebridge that is owned by Wendell Wood. Currently, a local developer, Seven Development, is considering, seriously considering, very seriously considering, a 245-unit apartment complex that is a by-right apartment complex, meaning they have the authority to make this happen already. I want to talk about this topic from this lens. Here it is. Can Charlottesville City truly say it's an upzoning advocate? Can Charlottesville City truly saying it's a housing affordability advocate? If it's going to use taxpayer dollars, limited dollars, to spend millions of taxpayer dollars to buy a piece of land that will kill an apartment complex. Explain to me how you can be an upzoning advocate. And Charlottesville City is saying it's an upzoning advocate. If it's going to spend taxpayer dollars potentially to kill an apartment complex and to keep housing from coming online. Can someone explain that to me please? We'll talk about that topic on today's show. I want your thoughts and your perspective. I will give you an update on a press release I received um, less than two hours ago from the leader of the High Street Neighborhood Association. The president of this group is Rebecca Jones Riley. She sent me a press release less than two hours ago about a nonprofit the neighbors in the High Street area have created. This nonprofit, Citrus Grounds Preservation Corporation, is now looking to raise money to help the city of Charlottesville purchase this property on High Street to make sure it never turns into an apartment complex of 245 units. This is a nuanced topic, a very timely topic, a nuanced topic, a topic that potentially positions the city in a hypocrisy or catch-22 role or mindset. We'll break it down for you on today's program with color 
provided by a planning commissioner, Rory Stolzenberg, from my interaction with him last night on Twitter. We'll also talk about the Charlottesville City Yard on this program with reaction and color provided by Rory Stolzenberg, a planning commissioner in Charlottesville City on today's program. I'm going to highlight a Virginia Beach sports complex and the impact this sports complex has had in Virginia Beach on tourism and incremental revenue, while also spotlighting some of the difficulties this complex has had from a, a solvency standpoint, a day-to-day financial operation standpoint. Neil Williamson put this topic on my radar. He's the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. We are crowdsourcing topics on this show routinely. I'd say about a third of the topics each day are provided by viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show. And we absolutely love it. We welcome your suggestions for topics on today's show. We'll also talk um, about another man shot in the area, this time at an apartment complex. The man shot in the area was popped in a botched drug deal, a drug deal in Wahoo Way, which is literally across from the Almoral County Police Station, right over the city line, kind of in that Eagles um, Landing area, literally in the urban ring, drug deal at 11.30 in the morning, the drug deal goes wrong, and one of the dudes in the deal gets popped with guns. What's going on here? On Sunday at 11.30 p.m., someone gets shot outside the Red Crab Seafood Restaurant Route 29. What the hell is someone doing at Red Crab on Sunday evening at 11.30 p.m. when the restaurant's not even open? Now at 11.30 in the morning, during the daylight hours, someone gets popped in a botched drug deal. Ay, caramba, chico. Give the show a like and a share. Offer your thoughts and perspective. I'll weave Judah Wickhauer into this program in a matter of moments. We'll include the color and commentary um, from Rory Stolzenberg from last night on today's program. Today's show is locked and loaded, and I think it's going to be a doozy. Let me paint the picture of what's happening on High Street. Wendell Wood owns land right next to the Rivanna River on High Street. Wendell Wood is the largest landowner in Almar County, and it's not even close. He's got 21 acres near Freebridge. And Wendell Wood was going to do a joint venture with Seven Development. Seven Development is interestingly owned by a local player. I'll let you know who in a matter of moments. And this little JV was going to birth 245 apartments overlooking the Rivanna River, within walking distance of the downtown mall, in a community, the city of Charlottesville, that is very pinched with housing inventory for purchase and for rent. The outcry, the outrage from the high street neighborhood was so significant, so organized, and so loud, that now the city of Charlottesville 
is going to go down the road of hiring an appraiser to the tune of $4,000, taxpayer dollars, to determine the value of the 21 acres that Wendell Wood owns and whether the city should leverage, use, and put in play taxpayer dollars to buy the land from Wendell to kill the 245-unit apartment complex that's in the hopper. My question for you, the viewer and listener, is a fair one. Is it not hypocrisy, does it not reek of hypocrisy, that the city of Charlottesville is considering using taxpayer dollars to buy land that would birth 245 apartments at the same time the city of Charlottesville is pounding its chest as an upzoning advocate and a housing affordability advocate. How can you use taxpayer dollars to buy land to kill housing when at the same time you're trying to upzone the city to create more housing? Is that not talking out of both sides of your mouth? I want you, the viewer and listener, to offer your thoughts in perspective. Because from my standpoint, this is the definition of reeking of hypocrisy. And how do you feel, taxpayers in the city, that your taxpayer dollars could be used to buy land from one of the wealthiest people in Central Virginia? How do you feel, taxpayers in Charlottesville City, that your jurisdiction may utilize your taxpayer dollars to buy land and to keep housing from coming on the market at the same time the city is upzoning your neighborhood to create more density to breed affordability. Is this not talking out of both sides of your mouth? Explain to me how this is not talking out of both sides of your mouth. And think about Wendell Wood. Is Wendell Wood not licking his chops right now? And the entire Wood family. They know that the city of Charlottesville is under tremendous political pressure from homeowners in the high street area. Is Wendell Wood not going to leverage and utilize this intense political pressure and media scrutiny to get a value, a premium, a premium on the land he owns? Isn't that good business? Wendell's like, well, city council in Charlottesville City they're getting reamed by these people on High Street, these homeowners. I'm just going to hold out and demand and command the highest dollar possible for these 21 acres. Because political pressure, that far outweighs the premium the city's going to pay me for this dirt. Wendell Woods in the catbird seat. Wendell Woods in the catbird seat. Am I wrong? Now, I'm going to weave Judah Wickhauer in in 90 seconds. When it comes to this development on High Street, it's a buy-right project. Wendell and the developer can do this buy-right, legitimately. I understand why the High Street area and High Street neighbors and High Street homeowners and High Street tenants and Rivanna River advocates, I understand 100% why you are outraged at this project. You should be outraged. High Street's a cluster duck 
quack, quack, quack. It's a cluster duck. And a 245-unit apartment complex on a 21-acre piece of land in a floodplain will make High Street even worse than it already is. And it will be that way for an extended period of time as construction happens and, and, and moves very slowly. During that extended period of time of construction, if this project moves forward, 245 apartments, the values of homes around this project will drop. Why will it drop? Because you've got a massive construction project right next to your homes. That's why they will drop. The quality of life will diminish. And any potential home buyer that considers the high street area will think twice because for a year plus... They're going to have to hear construction noise, see heavy equipment, trucks, labor, mobilizing down High Street, and it's very limited infrastructure. I understand why the High Street folks are pissed off. I would be too if I was on High Street. I would be pissed off about this project. And some people call that not in my backyard, NIMBYs. Other people call it preserving the environment. Other people call it preserving the Rivanna River. Other people call it, oh, it's in a floodplain. Gosh, it could flood these potential apartments. It's not a good idea. Any way you look at it, it could probably be categorized as nimbyism. But I am empathetic to the plight of the high street homeowner and the high street tenant. You got a house on arguably the most dangerous and underutilized corridor in the city of Charlottesville. And now a developer is considering 245 additional units when the road and the traffic already sucks. I get your position. But I want to ask a legitimate question. Is the city of Charlottesville not double-talking here? Does the city of Charlottesville not reek of hypocrisy here? On, on a Monday, you're all for upzoning and more density in your neighborhood. You're all for upzoning and more density in Lewis Mountain in Rose Hill, Jefferson Park Avenue, Belmont. You're all for upzoning and housing affordability in Fifeville and Star Hill. But on a Tuesday, you're not for upzoning and housing affordability on High Street by the Rivanna River. What is that? What is that? And how about utilizing taxpayer dollars to purchase this land from a private rich landowner and developer. Think about the look from a perception standpoint that radiates to community members. Guys, we're going to have to raise your taxes this year because we're going to have to give old Wendell Wood $10 million plus dollars for these 21 acres. I'm going to raise the meals tax. I'm going to raise the lodging tax. The real estate tax rate's going to have to go up because I'm going to have to give Wendell Wood a big check to keep these residents on High Street from being outraged. What is that? Shoot a Wickhauer on a two-shot. Known across the eastern seaboard as J-Dubs. A man with luscious locks, a well-conditioned beard, and an even-keeled perspective that's becoming valuable on the I Love Seville show. Double talk? Reeking of hypocrisy, utilizing taxpayer dollars to buy land 
from a private citizen and his family, a wealthy private citizen and his family that's the largest landowner in Almaro County? This storyline has all the makings for a fantastic talk show. Anywhere you want to go, Judah B. Wickhauer, while I, I eat this delicious and delectable breakfast burrito. Man, I don't know. There are so many sides to this story. I feel like I'm playing uh, D&D in a, someone's basement. Uh, I don't really know where to start. I mean, yes, I, I think you're, you've got a point in, in regards to city council. Um, if, they are, uh, if they are looking to expand, uh, expand livable space in Charlottesville, then 245 new uh, new apartments seems like exactly the kind of thing that we want. Um, so it does make uh, very little sense that they would be looking to spend taxpayer money to uh, to buy the land and stop the project from going forward. Do you empathize with the high street homeowners and the high street renters about this project and understand why the High Street Neighborhood Association does not want 245 new apartments on a crappy road that's already pinched with traffic that is not safe for people to walk on? I certainly do. I understand the outrage and the outcry from the neighborhood. I, I understand uh, not wanting... I understand some of it, but think of it this way: What if, uh, what if the production of these of this place? Uh, what if, in creating it, they expanded the expanded the road, uh, fixed up the the sidewalks? Um, the article that you sent me had uh, had a the comment. article from the Daily Progress. Yeah, had a comment from uh, from Lily. One of the owners of the uh, of uh, Cosner's and a bunch of other places along there, and she I had an old, I had commentary from Kim Cosner, who we were talking about yesterday. Kimberly Cosner Lily. Yeah, Kim is calling the shots. Kim Cosner Lily is calling the shots for her family, as we've identified on this talk show yesterday. Very curious the timing of the Daily Progress article, literally after we're talking about this topic yesterday. A few hours later, the article comes out. Coincidence or influence, I'll leave that, the viewer and listener, to determine that on their own. Kim Cosner's family owns much of High Street. They own Cosner Brothers. They own the towing service. They own that super deluxe lot where the food trucks are at. They are the primary holder of land on High Street, especially as you get closer to Freebridge. Keep going. I just wanted to offer some background perspective, J-Dubs. She seems to be against the... um the building of the complex. Oh, she's against it, 100%. But she sounds like she's for, uh, she talks about putting a nice boardwalk near the river, putting restaurants there that go all, all the way up to the mall. I mean, it sounds like... Uh, who's, who's, been, who's pushed the boardwalk? Lauren and Keswick, welcome to the program. We love when you watch the show, Lauren and Keswick. Would that be, would that be her land, or would that be, or would that be the land uh, that's, that's in question now? Well, if you did a boardwalk along the Rivanna River to the city, you would have to aggregate a bunch of land. And yeah. it would be partially hers, but certainly others as well. Yeah. And I've been saying on this talk show for years, the city of Charlottesville should consider a San Antonio-style boardwalk along the Rivanna River 
adjacent to High Street that goes close to, is, as close to downtown as possible, where people can hop from restaurant and stall and beverage uh, provider, cocktail provider, beer provider, um, from the Rivanna Trail at Freebridge, and just walk along the river like a San Antonio-style boardwalk. I think that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, the river walk in Savannah was, was amazing as well. Is the city looking bad here? Um, yeah, in a sense. You know, I think, that, uh, I think that somebody needs to decide what they want to do with this area. I mean, there are, the, the Daily Progress article quotes a lot of different people. All of them seem to have very different ideas about what they would like to see. Some of them want to see uh, some of them want to see the area open up just so that uh, just so that people can can look at the Ravana River. I mean, it's a beautiful river. Why uh, why have it uh, hidden behind places like Cosner Brothers Body Shop? Um, other people, uh, you know, want to want to see this. Uh, Apartment complex made, which is understandable because we do need the we do need the um, the space. Uh, we also have uh, uh, let's see uh, who else we got making comments about this. Um, Krebs, Peter uh, Krebs comes on the show all the time from the Piedmont Environmental Council. Anonymous, we're going to get to your comments here in a matter of moments. Woody Fincham, we'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. Nora Gaffney, Travis Hackworth, we'll get to your comments in a matter of moments. <laughs> Anybody else with perspective that wants this to be heard, relay it live in the comment section, and I will make sure it is heard on air. I have color and commentary from Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg to get to in a matter of moments. Keep talking to me, baby. Keep talking to me, Papa Bear. Already he loves when I call him Papa Bear. Anything yeah, else yeah. you'd like to offer before I offer some perspective? Uh, no, I just, uh, I, you know, I think that... Uh, Where's the money going to come from to potentially buy Wendell out? I don't know. Um, I think somebody needs to decide what they want to do with it and not just be like... So, obviously, somebody came along and was like, we have an idea. We have a, a plan. We, we want to make these apartments. Other people don't want that, but don't just buy them out to do nothing. Well, if they buy them out, it would be nothing. If the city buys this land, it would most likely then be converted into some kind of park-like structure next to the Rivanna River or potentially a clever boardwalk-type concept. But that would not happen anytime soon. Because that would cost a boatload of money creating a boardwalk along High Street. And those are also two very different things. So, like, like I said... Likelihood is it would be some kind of park-like situation if the city buys these, this acreage. 21 yeah. acres is, is a large chunk of land. Especially in a landlocked 10.2 square mile city that has no land left to develop. Yeah. Or does it? Charlottesville City Yard. That topic in a matter of moments. Let's get to comments. Deep Throat on Twitter in a direct message. I love his perspective. He says, in response to Zero East High Street and this apartment complex, this turn of events reveals some of the ulterior motives 
behind upzoning and also some of the weaknesses behind the argument. On the latter, the upzoning proponents want people to believe there is no land in good spots for development, so we need to upzone. Well, 21 acres and a short walk from the downtown mall sure seems like land that could be developed. Yeah. Deep Throat continues. So the upzoning proponents say, no, this is not buildable. And the upzoning proponents realize that this land off the Rivanna River is not in a wealthy area with R1 single-family detached housing stock around it. The wealthy are the ones the upzoning proponents want to stick it to. But this particular parcel does not stick it to the deep-pocketed ones, homeowners in the city of Charlottesville. You want to touch on that at all? Just a comment that we've uh, previously heard, uh, or we've previously looked at, uh, looked at stats about the, uh, the home ownership of, what was it, the uh, city council and the board of supervisors? Uh, it was city council and Charlottesville Planning Commission. Yeah, Charlottesville Planning Commission. And the fact that none of the homes owned by, uh, by anyone on either of those... Or you know, Rory Solzenberg's a tenant, does not own a home, but he's not being impacted by upzoning. That's, why, that's why I said those that own homes. Uh, none, of the, none of the neighborhoods... Um, None of their neighborhoods are being impacted by the upzoning. That's right. Whether, I chalked that up to I chalked that up to a coincidence and not a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. I'm but not, it's a I'm, hell of a coincidence. I'm certainly not implying that uh, that that's on a purpose. conspiracy. It's a head of hell of a coincidence, though. A hell of a coincidence. One more comment from Deep Throat, and then I'll get to other comments. Second point: Everyone should consider. I do think that Wendell Wood is maybe doing a clever gambit here. Remember, this is maybe the only parcel in town that is getting less intense zoning under the new draft than under the present zoning. So he has to get a site plan approved before the new zoning ordinance goes into effect. And if he can scare people that he is really going to develop, he can get bought out. I have to say, a buyout is a safer bet than a development, given the floodplain issues. It is not totally clear that the floodplain administrator would approve this in the end. Yeah. So is Wendell Wood... He's basically just trying to scare people into, into either buying the property off him so that he doesn't have to deal with it anymore, or, uh, you know, or find a way to allow him to make it useful. Bingo! Bingo! Let's say it again. Bingo. Say it again, Judah. There's a businessman coming out of Judah Wickhauer right there. Say it. He wants to make money on a, off of his, uh, his property. And Which you can't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him. And if he ends up on the wrong side of the upzoning, then it may be worth less or be worthless. Not the wrong side of the upzoning. If he does not get the green light fully of building in this floodplain, then his land has much less value. If he could utilize the threat of perception that this project's going to go through yeah. and scare the bejeebus 
out of people in the area, those people are going to outrage and outcry so much and put so much political pressure on City Hall decision makers that they may actually use taxpayer dollars to give Wendell Wood a bag of money for doing Jack Diddley. Yeah. Think about that. Wendell Wood, a master puppeteer, and on the strings of the puppets are some planning commissioners, some city councilors, a neighborhood association, maybe even a development company. And Wendell's over there on his mountain next to Carter's Mountain going, hee, 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 hee. I got Lloyd on a string, and I got Brian on a string, and I got Juan on a string, and Michael on a string, and I got Bo Carrington on a string, and I got the neighborhood associate on a string, and look at how I'm managing and manipulating emotions. It's effing genius. Effing genius. And there's a reason why Wendell Wood is the largest landowner in Almar County. It's genius. A man who's got a house that overlooks all of us in Almar on Charlottesville, atop a mountain. Genius. Where do you think the money's going to come from to buy this land if the city ends up buying it? Raise taxes. Do you think the city of Charlottesville is going to allocate money from established pockets or established buckets like schools or police or public works or pay or, or payroll, employee salaries? Or do you think it's just going to raise taxes to buy it if it chooses to do so? It's going to raise taxes to buy it. And is this not the de- definition of political double talk? And does this not reek of hypocrisy? Explain to me how it doesn't. More comments coming in. Woody Finch, I'm watching. One of the best appraisers on the eastern seaboard. He says, will the apartments help with affordable housing if it's just more high-rent units to, a, to pay for a portfolio? They're not going to be cheap to rent one of those apartments. I don't think they're going to be cheap either, Woody. I think they're going to be extremely expensive. And how they're going to be marketed and branded, the apartments, if they do get to construct them, this is how you would brand and market them. You have a view of the Rivanna River. You are right next to walking the Rivanna Trail. And you can walk to the downtown mall in 10 minutes. We want $2,000 a door, $2,000 a bed for these apartments. They ain't going to be cheap, but that's not the point. Because the upzoning proponents and the upzoning advocates say even additional expensive housing stock will diminish price points because it's additional stock. And I don't think that's entirely wrong. I don't think it's entirely wrong. I don't think it's entirely wrong. Because if they're expensive, people are going to rent them. And that's going to open up a lower price point that the expensive people renting these could have definitely afforded. Yeah. I don't think it's entirely wrong. Um, Woody also says, if it's by right that I'm not seeing it being in... Where's this comment? Lost your comment, Woody. I don't know where it went. Um, Bill McChesney says, this does seem like absolute double talk. The mayor of McIntyre has put that in the feed. We got... 
the daily newspaper watching our program literally right now. Also one of the TV stations on the feed. And, and here's, let's get to Stolzenberg's comments. I was interacting with Rory about this on Twitter. Rory Stolzenberg, you watch this show from time to time. I'm going to give you some props, Rory Stolzenberg. I think you're a smart guy, Rory. An incredibly bright man. I think he is a, truly wants what's best for Charlottesville. I think Rory is very much a housing advocate. Yeah. Do we disagree on his policies? Do I disagree with them? Quite often I do. Upzoning, he thinks, is going to create affordability. I think it's undoubtedly going to do the opposite. We interact on Twitter yesterday, and I asked him about this 21-acre parcel, and this is what the man said in response to the city potentially buying this, um, this plot of land on the Rivanna River. I asked Rory, out of curiosity, how do you explain this? If Seville uses taxpayer money to buy and then kill a 21-acre Rivanna River uh, potential apartment complex that would create 245 new city units, how can Seville say it's an upzoning affordable housing advocate? This was his response. Besides the spending of roughly 4000 for an appraisal, we are a long, long way from actually buying it. However, it's not inherently contradictory to purchase environmentally sensitive areas while upzoning areas well-suited for infill. Certainly nobody would support developing Riverview Park itself. Do you agree with that? This is the, ju- the, the, the gist of what he just said. Yeah, it's not inherently points. contradictory to purchase environmentally sensitive areas while upzoning areas well-suited for infill. Yeah, I think he makes a good point. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. Um, I think it depends on your perspective. But yeah, I, I, I understand what he's saying, that, uh, that the city could buy this area to keep it you know, to keep it the way it is because, because A, it's Ravana, it's beautiful, B, it's a floodplain, could be dangerous to, the, uh, to any occupants that end up living there. At the same time as they're, uh, as they're touting um, their, pro, uh, their pro-housing stance. Neil Williamson says, more housing everywhere for everyone. He's watching the program. Nora Gaffney. It would be awesome to keep that land as a river walk and develop the area utilizing the riverfront. We are missing the boat, not using the river to create other forms of profit. Plus, this is a flood zone. Good article in the progress this morning about this. I thought the article in the progress was dynamite. And for the second day in the row on this talk show, I have said the daily progress is stepping up its game with content creation. It has now got a stable of reporters that are covering topics that matter. And the daily progress has now become the media source of record. For a long period of time, it had no reporters and it had become an afterthought. I'm curious of this when it comes to the Daily Progress model, though. It's roughly 50 bucks a month for a digital subscription, and a lot of the content is paywalled. How many people are actually reading the news of the Daily Progress? Because we know they're not picking up the print paper. 
how many people are actually spending $50 a month reading dailyprogress.com? Or are the people reading articles like this just news junkies and insiders and stakeholders like yours truly? Because a lot of people wouldn't pay 50 bucks a month for this subscription. Would you? No. No? No. Okay. 50 bucks a month, that's a lot. I'm not I do rich. it because I'm a news junkie. <laughs> I'm a news junkie. You piggyback on my subscription. So it's also a write-off. It's a, it's a business expense. I mean, I don't, you may send me articles now and again, but... Uh, I'd say you read an article, two to three articles from the Progress a Week now, wouldn't you say? Besides, how would I read them? I'm not logged in. You're using my subscription. We're logged in over there as me. Okay. Anywho, we're, we, re, we regress. Laura, I, I, I cannot agree with you more. I cannot agree with you more. The only positive that could come from... There, there's, there's a few positives that could come from this. If you're the High Street Neighborhood Association, the positive for you is your home values will be maintained, your quality of life will not be impacted, and you will not have more dangerous traffic and an already dangerous cut-through road High Street. The Neighborhood Association that is High Street is now forming a nonprofit, and this nonprofit is raising money to help the city of Charlottesville purchase this property. The High Street Neighborhood Association, after this article comes out from Hall Spencer in the Daily Progress, is jumping for joy. They're jumping for joy because they see their civic engagement and their outcry and outrage potentially yield return on investment. The developer is certainly not jumping for joy. Bo Carrington, the principal of Seven Development, he's a Covenant School graduate. I remember when I was working for the Daily Progress, my first job at the University of Virginia as a sports writer, Bo Carrington was a standout lacrosse player at the Covenant School. He played lacrosse at Duke. He's a connected guy, a guy who has financial resources, and a guy who has a network of, 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 of hard money lenders, private money lenders. And Carrington has an impeccable reputation and stand-up character. He's a local developer that has a great reputation. He's in, in a predicament right here if the city buys the land because that project goes away. Taxpayers are in a predicament because they're going to raise your taxes to pay for this if they buy it from Wendell. Wendell's undoubtedly in the catbird spot. The city's getting leverage from a neighborhood association on one side and from the landowner on the other side. The city's in a crappy spot right here. Either way, the city loses. Yep. If it allows the buy-right development to go through... People are angry. People are pissed. If the city buys the land... And raises taxes. People are pissed. Because it raises taxes. Yeah. The city has put itself in a no-win situation. That's why you keep your head down, city. Cannot win the city here. Maybe the only way the city wins the perception battle is by saying, if we buy this land, we will commit to the financial resources and the sweat equity of building a boardwalk for the betterment of this community. That's how you could potentially win the perception battle. Yeah. We're going to use your taxpayer dollars to buy land to build a boardwalk, which will drive incremental tax revenue so later down the road we won't have to raise taxes on you as much. That's how you play the perception game if you're the city. 
And one other item before we go to the next topic, which is a topic Neil Williamson put on my radar. And then I'll get to your comments here. They're coming in fast and furious. Matt Daring gets the print copy delivered to his house every day. He loves it. Matt, you are a steward of the community. He is the king of mountain biking. Out of curiosity, Matt, how much are you paying a month for the print copy to be delivered to your home? And then the second part of your question, the second part of my question for you, Matt, is do you get the digital subscription as well? Are you getting a print copy delivered to your home and the digital subscription? And what are you paying in totality per month for this product? I genuinely am interested on that. I love that you get the print product delivered to your house, King of Mountain Biking. I really do. I would love to know the total cost you're spending. No, Bill McChesney, no. Um, Wendell Wood owns this parcel of land, not the Cosner family. Wendell Wood. Wendell Wood. Travis Hackworth is sending me some comments here from Danville. Travis, I love your commentary. Oh, you deleted the comment. What was it? Is it still there, Trav? Talk to me, Travis. Talk to me, Mayor of Danville. Talk to me. Oh, he says, what interest does the city have in it? What do they gain if they kill it? My experience is if a city is thinking about something, they already have a different plan in mind. I don't, you know, that, that could be the case for Dan Vegas, Danville. Lee Vogler and Danville have fantastic leadership. They have vision. They have an entrepreneur spirit. They clearly are taking Danville from the doldrums to sky's the limit. I love Lee Vogler, the city councilor over there. In our neck of the woods, the city of Charlottesville, while we have a reputation nationally, if not globally, of being an innovative town tied to the University of Virginia, a home to Silicon Valley East, the reality is local government does not see the forest through the trees. They do not see the forest through the trees. I will bet you 100 Bs, a C note. Who's on the $100 bill? Ben Franklin? Sounds right. Who's on the $100 bill? Open up your wallet. You've got about 30 of those in there. Who's on the $100 bill? Benny Franklin, right? It's Ben. Oh, Ben. Old Ben with his little goggles perched on his nose, his mullet that's greased down, his double chin, and offering words of wisdom. Ben Franklin. I'll bet you a C-note the city doesn't have a single plan for this parcel. And all it's doing is responding to political pressure. Would you take that bet? Hell no, you wouldn't take that bet because you know I'm right, dog. Right? Yeah. Hell no, he wouldn't take that bet. I wouldn't take that bet either. Yeah. I know they, ain't, they don't have a plan? No. They don't, you know they don't have a plan. No. They don't even know how much the land is worth. Right. They're spending four Gs to value it. And what do you think when the valuation comes through, what do you think Wendell's going to do once he hears the valuation from the city? Hmm. What would you do? Come on, businessman Judah. Come on. What would you do? If, they, if I found the value, the, I don't know. I'd... You would hold out. Well, yeah. Hold out? I ain't selling it for you that much. Here's my number. I ain't budging. And if you don't pay me my number, we're moving forward with the buy right 245 units. Leave me alone. That's how you negotiate. So if they build, he just gets, uh, he gets, he leases the land to them? What's that? If they build, he just gets money from leasing the land? That's a joint venture deal and, and terms that we don't know. Fair. 
Wendell's got an arrangement with this developer. We don't know the terms. Yeah. We don't know anything about that deal. That's between Bo and Wendell. Mm. But we would know because it's taxpayer dollars in public record if the city gets involved. Yeah, no doubt. We would have to know. We would have to know. How much did you pay for it? Oh, dang, dude. Matt Daring's dropping 69 bucks a month for the print and the digital subscription. Matt, you are a good man. 600 a month? $69 a month. Oh, that's a little more. That's a boatload of money. That is. For the Daily Progress, print delivered to his house yeah. and the digital subscription. I want to ask you this question. I sincerely have this question for viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show. I hear from thousands of you over the course of a year that the I Love Seville show is your source for local news. And I understand why we're your source for local news. This show is literally on every smartphone in Central Virginia, on every social media platform in Central Virginia. Okay? And, and we take that responsibility very seriously. Heavy is the head that wears the crown because we understand folks are counting on us for news in this community. I sincerely have this question. If the print and digital subscription for the Daily Progress is $69 a month, how many people in a 300,000-person market are actually paying $69 a month for this product? I would love to know that answer. Yeah. I would bet you it is under 10%. I would bet you under 10% of Central Virginia is paying $69 a month for this. I would bet you it might even be under 5%. Under 5%. We'll just call it 69 times 12. You know what 69 times 12 is, J-Dubs? Uh, $828 a year for local news. Yeah. $828. That's a nice chunk of money. That's a lot of money. That's some groceries right there. Yeah. That's some groceries. Oh, man. Kevin Yancey, welcome to the program. I got Lynchburg on the show, Danville on the show, Short Pump, Richmond, Williamsburg, Keswick, Crozet, Ivy, Arlington, McLean, folks outside Nashville, in the Outer Banks, and in South Florida all watching the I Love Seville in our heat map right now. I got a follow-up question for you. Are you ready for this one, viewers and listeners? Are you ready for uh, this, Woody Fincham? Are you ready for this, Nora Gaffney? Are you ready for this, Travis Hackworth? Are you ready for this, Neil Williamson? Are you ready for this, Lisa Custolo, Janice Boyce Trevilian, Vanessa Parkhill, Kevin Yancey and Kevin Higgins, Anonymous? Are you ready for this, Warrior AG? Can the city of Charlottesville... You ready for this? Can the city of Charlottesville truly call itself a housing advocate, a housing affordability proponent, an upzoning proponent, if it continues to utilize the Charlottesville city yard in the capacity and way it is doing, a public works operations center? Neil Williamson, if I could ask a small favor from you, King of Content, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum, the co-owner of Well Hung Vineyards, and all-around amazing human being, Neil Williamson, if I can get a small favor from you, Neil, or Woody Fincham, a small favor from you, 
How many total acres? Anonymous, maybe you have this answer. How many total acres is the city yard? How many total acres is the Charlottesville city yard? Could someone give me that answer and put it in the comment section? I would bet you the Charlottesville city yard is at least 20 acres. In fact, I'll, I'll put the over-under at 15 acres and I'll take the over on it. How many total acres is the city yard? The city yard is that big plot of land behind the Jefferson School in the Star Hill neighborhood that's covered behind a massive fence. The city yard is home to heavy machinery and pickup trucks. It is literally being used on heavy machinery storage and pickup truck parking. If the city of Charlottesville is an upzoning advocate and a housing affordability advocate, why in the Lord's name is the city of Charlottesville using limited square... Okay, 10.4 acres, so I was a little high on it. It's 10.4 acres. Deep Throat just put it in the feed. Thank you, Deep Throat. 10.4 acres. Is the 10.4 acres right on West Main Street in the heart of the city? Should it be used to store pickup trucks and heavy machinery? Or should the city of Charlottesville develop the land into housing stock? I have a, just a serious question. Why would the city of Charlottesville not form a joint venture with Almar County right over the city line in the urban ring and say, Almaro County will kick you some money, rent, and create a new public works operation center so we can open up this housing stock on West Main Street to build some affordable housing units for our residents. Yeah. 10.4 acres on West Main Street, premium location, right next to the hospital, yeah. right next to the University of Virginia, right next to walk into restaurants, into bars, into the epicenter of employment, downtown Charlottesville? Why wouldn't you take that land and create some housing stock on it that's affordable? Low-income housing. Housing tied to area median income. Why wouldn't you do it? I asked Rory Stolzenberg that question, the planning commissioner. This was Stolzenberg's response. Someone tell Rory Stolzenberg we're giving him some props on the show today. Rory, your, 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 your tweets, Rory, are, are, are offering clarity. He's a planning commissioner. He's good people. He's a smart man. He says this, Jerry, I'd certainly like, I'd certainly like to see the city yard moved, and the city has actually adopted plans that call for it, namely the Star Hill Vision Plan, but at $30 million plus to shift operations to Almoral County, it's not exactly cheap acreage. Yeah. 30 million plus. The Charlottesville city budget is 200 million plus per year. We're talking roughly 13 or 14% of a yearly budget. Yeah. So you got the city willing to protect. Okay, I'll, I'll change my phrase. I want to be intentional with my word use. You got the city considering buying 21 acres in a floodplain off High Street because it has pressure, political pressure, from the Neighborhood Association on High Street. You have the city willing to raise taxes to do it. 
but the city is unwilling to take a public works operation center and develop it into housing itself by forming a partnership with Almaro County to shift that operation center right out of the city into the county, still in the urban ring, not like it's going to create more drive time of significance for city employees. Yeah. Moving it to the urban ring. You could do it right down Avon Extended if you want. There's plenty of land there. And last check, the cat buses were stored there. Plenty of land right there. Neil Williamson just shared the Star Hill vision plan in the comment section of the I Love Seville group on Facebook. This show is airing on 15 Facebook pages, 15 Twitter accounts, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, Fountain App, every social media, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, you name it, we're on it. The mayor just walked by the studio. What's up, Lloyd? Good to see you. Oh, crazy times in this Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> Deep Throat says 30 million was the number Stolzenberg quoted. Deep Throat says not even the business ignorant, gold bricking numpties of Seville City leadership could spend 30 million to move a maintenance yard. 30 million seemed like a lot of money. One of the reasons an anonymous put this on my attention, put this on my radar, and then I did some research on it. Um, Jake Mooney did a fantastic article on the city yard about three years ago for the Seville Weekly. In fact, what I'll do is I will share the article that Jake Mooney did on the Charlottesville city yard three years ago for Seville Weekly. I will share it in the comment section of my personal Facebook page right now. I just shared it. The comment section of my personal Facebook page. Go to Jerry Miller on Facebook, look in the comment section, and you will see a fantastic article by Jake Mooney in the Seville Weekly. <coughs> Excuse me. Anonymous made the comment about a week ago, Deep Throat, that the land at the city yard... Can you do some talking? i got to scratch my throat. You got anything you want to talk about over there? <laughs> Not really. I mean, you're on a roll here. Um, you got the gift of gab? I'm scrolling through the uh, Star Hill Neighborhood Community Vision Plan, but uh, haven't really gotten to the meat of it yet. <clears throat> Anonymous made the comment a couple weeks ago. I'm also putting in the thread on Twitter for people to read. <clears throat> and he said... Maybe why the city is so apprehensive to develop the land and the city yard is because of the negative environmental impact that a public works facility has had to said land, Judah. Yeah. <clears throat> How much would it cost to clean it up if they did want to use it? And that the phrase I learned on Monday, I think it was from Matt Daring and also from Todd Rath. Matt, was it environmental cleanup or environmental remediation? Was that the phrase you used, king of mountain biking? <clears throat> was it environmental remediation? $30 million, the planning commissioner says. Would that be a one-time uh, movement fee? <clears throat> well, no. <clears throat> Man, I'm dying over here. You're saying that, was, that would 
be the cost to house them in uh, Albemarle County every year. He says $30 million to shift operations to the county is not exactly cheap. I would imagine that $30 million is up front, and then you'd have the yearly lease to rent the land from the county. Right. So it wouldn't be... $30 million off the top, and then whatever the yearly lease is to rent based on the size of uh, footprint they need. Yeah. $30 million is still a boatload of money. Yeah. Especially when the yearly budget is just over 200 mil. Yeah. That would be that that would that would create political outcry and outrage. No doubt. Don't you think? I mean, at this point everything does, but uh that's that's beside the point. So you're saying just the world we live in. Yeah. Vanessa Park will leave in a comment. She's the queen of Hurleysville. She says, the city needs to plan for allocating funds to improvement of High Street Quarter and stop wasting money on delaying Wendell Woods' project. Families in that area deserve those improvements, i.e. better sidewalks to get their kids to school safely, regardless of what happens with the buy-right apartment project along the river. I'm responding to Vanessa Parkhill's comment because I think it's fantastic. The Queen of Earliesville gets some props. Queen of Earliesville, another amazing comment from you. I will respond to that in a matter of moments because I think you are intelligent and you routinely make the program better. Oh, people said, Jerry, how are you going to fill a talk show for 90 minutes every day without taking any commercial breaks and only talk about Charlottesville, Virginia and Central Virginia? It's the easiest thing in the world. All I got to do is watch what local government does. It's the easiest thing in the world. Bill McChesney says the city already keeps its, its buses, both cat and school buses, on that Avon, Avon Street extended parcel in the county. Exactly right. Charlottesville, why not consider moving the public works operation to Avon Extended, where you're already keeping your buses? And then open up the 10.4 acres on West Main Street, the current Charlottesville City Yard, and build housing affordability. Tie it to AMI. I mean, good Lord, this is so obvious. <coughs> McChesney also says the EPA would have tons upon tons of dirt excavated from the property to get rid of polluted dirt. Skench's Branch also runs under there in a culvert. What is Skench's Branch? Is that a creek? I've never heard that phrase, Skench's Branch. Bill, Mayor of McIntyre, I'm learning something from you. He says, Skench's Branch also runs under there in a culvert. Can you offer more perspective on Skench's Branch, Mayor of McIntyre? And in the comments, put how long you've been in this area. I believe it's 50 years you've been in this area. Kevin Yancey says DuPont has spent $100 million plus to clean up a Waynesboro site. He's basically saying it ain't cheap to do environmental cleanup. No doubt. So Deep Throat's comments on Twitter may be legit that the city's destroyed the 10.4 acres of the Charlottesville City Yard with such environmental pollution that nothing can ever materialize of that site. Yeah. Maybe that's what's happened. And maybe that should be out there. Would that create outcry and outrage among left-leaning Charlottesville? 
Your local jurisdiction has polluted land so much it can't be used for anything besides storing heavy equipment in pickup trucks. Is that not a topic that we should talk about? I mean, madre. Carajo. Anything you want to add to this? Not really. I think it's a shame if, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think it's a shame that uh, they that that's what became of uh, of Vinegar Hill. I mean, the reality is this. The reality is this. Here's the reality. Two of the most important parcels of land in a 10.2 square mile city. The 21 acres on High Street and the 10.4 acres that's the Charlottesville City Yard two of the most important, undeveloped, underutilized parcels of land that could be used for housing are legitimately being influenced and impacted by the city and being kept, potentially, from evolving into housing. Yet the city is trying to brand and champion itself as a housing affordability advocate and an upzoning proponent. Yep. The reality, and I'm calling you out on it, Charlottesville. The reality is, it's double talk. It's window dressing. It reeks of hypocrisy. And it is undoubtedly piss poor politics. Prove me wrong. Someone. Anyone. Prove me wrong. All right. More comments coming in fast and furious at the clip and volume that is awesome, impressive, but also difficult to maintain and read. I love you guys. I love you viewers and listeners. I love you. Neil Williamson sent me a topic this morning, and when Neil Williamson puts his mind to something, I read and watch it very closely. Neil sent me an article from the Virginia Pilot, the newspaper that covers Virginia Beach, Norfolk, and a lot of the 757 area. It's on a Virginia Beach Sports Center. Remember, who, who, what Almaro County candidate is a huge proponent of utilizing sports tourism to drive incremental tax revenue. Who's that candidate? I don't know. You're, you're, you're looking you, at... You, oh, okay. Uh, sorry, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting shit ready for, uh, for the end of the show, Jerry. I'm not paying attention with 100% of my Which, ears. Thank you. No problem. This is amazing director right here. Cat, <laughs> looks like your hand got caught in the cookie jar over there. Got nothing but love for you, though. Virginia Beach is utilizing sports tourism to drive tax revenue. 
It's got a sports center in Virginia Beach. And the sports center in Virginia Beach is pretty awesome. 12 basketball courts that can be converted into 24 volleyball courts, a 200-meter hydraulically banked indoor track capable of hosting NCAA and world indoor track and field meets. The venue can host wrestling, gymnastics, field hockey, cheerleading, pickleball, cornhole, basketball, volleyball, and more. The city built the facility to drive sports tourism to Virginia Beach. It was funded by tourism tax dollars collected through lodging, meals, and admissions taxes. The economic impact of the sports center during its first two years is estimated at $132 million of incremental revenue for Virginia Beach. I'll say it again, I'll say it loud, and I'll say it proud. Sports Center in Virginia Beach, $132 million of incremental revenue for Virginia Beach through sports tourism. That's real money. Now there's a catch. Like everything in life, there's a catch. And here's the catch. Operating this facility is extremely difficult to do from a for-profit standpoint. The facility is operating in the red. It's not operating in the black. According to the Virginia pilot, This sports tourism facility, in its first year of operation, the center lost $1.3 million, and then $1.4 million the following year. The company that manages the facility is from Fredericksburg, and that third-party company has already depleted a $750,000 reserve account to pay unanticipated operating costs and has requested $260,000 of additional money from Virginia Beach. The third party that's operating the facility from Fredericksburg has said COVID, a lack of labor to staff the facility, and difficulty of coordinating hotel rooms in the summertime when Virginia Beach is very popular, hotel rooms needed to drive major events in the summertime, have proven to be headwinds for the, for, the, for the sports center. So they can't find anybody to work there. COVID crushed it for a couple years. And in the summertime, when kids are off from school, they're having a hard time doing big events because tourism is so popular. It's a beach that people are taking up all the hotel rooms to enjoy surf, sand, and sun. Alliteration. So Pretty is good it right making there. money or not? It's losing first year 1.3 million, second year 1.4 million. However, the sports center generated in the first two years 132 million in incremental tax revenue through sports tourism. You get it. You you have that look of question on your face. <coughs> okay, you're so saying you're, how so could it lose 2.7 so million dollars in so the first two years? It's not making money itself, but it's making money for the city through other services. Boom. Gosh, you are. I love it when you. I love it when you talk like that, like a businessman. Love it when you talk like that. Say it again. The center itself is not making money. In fact, it's losing money. Two point seven million over two years. Just depleted a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar operating account and is begging, hat in hand, for an additional two hundred sixty thousand dollars from Virginia Beach. But 
It's made Virginia Beach. $132 million in two years. a bit of money. What would you do if you were a businessman in this scenario? I'd make a deal with the city. What would you do if you were Virginia Beach in this scenario? And your city leadership in Virginia Beach? I don't know what you're looking for. Uh, I'm I'd looking make a for deal. an answer from you on this topic. I don't, you I don't, don't have to give me the answer I want. I'm I curious on what's in your head. I said I would make a deal. If this, you're Virginia Beach, what deal would you make? I would say keep the business coming into the city and we'll, uh, and we'll help you out with the cost. Exactly. It's worth it. Exactly. <laughs> like the city and... In, 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 in. We got some cash coming out of our back pocket now because uh, you've been bringing people here. So, uh, yeah, we'll help you out. Exactly. Otherwise, what are you... I mean, if you're running out of money, if you're not making money, what would you do? You'd scrap the place and... I'll give you a hug. Good job. Who, who, who would step over $132 million to pick up $2.7 million? Right. Who would step over $100 bills to pick up nickels? I'm not sure that's... Who would step over $100 bills to pick up pennies? Whatever, you get my point. Yeah. The center has generated $132 million in incremental sports tourism tax dollars that did not exist before the center was built. Yeah. So what if it lost $1.3 million last year and $1.4 the, the following year? And so what if it depleted a $750,000 account to pay for operating expenses? It's making, on average, quick math... $66 million a year? Yeah. This is the most obvious thing in the world. It takes money to make money. We had to spend $35,000 to build this network. But the network is extremely profitable and has made that money back hand over fist. It takes money to make money. The outcry is a reflection of no business and leadership. No business acumen and leadership. Leadership in Virginia Beach, oh, we lost 1.3 million last year, 1.4 million this year, and they already depleted a $750,000 account. But they make no mention of 132 million in new tax revenue. Right. You, you want some tips or some advice? Coordinate hotel booking blocks of rooms years in advance for summertime. Book the rooms years in advance, secure the dates, and then build the sports tournaments and events in the summer after the event, after the hotel room blocks you already secure. If your problem of doing big tournaments in the summer is you can't get hotel rooms, just book the rooms years in advance and make that the first thing you do. And then create the events around the hotel bookings. You know what that's called? Foresight. Vision. Foresight. I just don't understand how piss poor local government can be with its vision. Yeah. I've given you multiple examples on today's show alone.
Multiple ones, have we not? Yeah. And I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it loud, and I'll say it proud. Almoral County. Almoral County voters. Almoral County taxpayers. Almoral County business owners. Almoral County homeowners. Almoral County tenants. Almoral County. Listen to this. I am in favor of creating a sports epicenter, a sports complex that can attract regional or eastern seaboard tournaments to Albemarle County to drive tax revenue. And I'm in favor of that concept to alleviate the tax burden on your shoulders that you are facing because taxes on rooftops are the primary source of income for the jurisdiction. Why don't we take a little pressure off Almoral taxing rooftops and find other sources of revenue? And a sports tourism is working in Richmond. Sports tourism, we just explained, is working in Virginia Beach. And you know what we have over Virginia Beach and Richmond? The University of Virginia. And last check, the University of Virginia was in the recruitment business. Don't you think the University of Virginia would love a sports complex in its backyard that could attract Eastern Seaboard, regional, or even national sports tournaments to its backyard? How easy would that be for Brian O'Connor? How easy would that be for George Galnavach? <coughs> Tony Bennett? Tony Elliott? Having tournaments in its backyard. Oh, just don't have government. $130 million in economic activity. You're right, Neil. I'll, I'll, I should qualify, quantify that. It's $132 million in economic activity. That economic activity of $132 million breeds taxes. It also gives people a feel for Virginia Beach, and that feel from Virginia Beach could be a reason why they come back for future vacations. Todd Rath, the king of cider, the owner of Blue Toad Heart Cider, says the sports complex is run by great people that know what they are doing. The city needs to buck up a management fee. They own the complex, and what need the tax traffic and revenues. The complex is getting a management fee, or the third party is getting a management fee. Eastern Sports Management out of Fredericksburg gets a monthly management fee of $300,000, as well as a revenue-based monthly incentive for the operation and maintenance of the center. So they get 30 Gs off the top, $360,000 a year, plus a piece of the back. Local officials in Virginia Beach are saying the third-party management company should no longer get a piece of the back action if it can't run the business in the black. Oh, local government can't get out of its own way. <laughs> oh, I'm learning something here for Bill McChesney. I did not know this. When I don't know something about Charlottesville... Um, I, I know a lot about this community, but I don't know everything. And I've never heard of Skench's Branch. Uh, I looked it up, and I think it might be Shank's Branch. 
It's, S- he's spelling S K E N C H apostrophe S. But you're, you're saying, I, I trust your judgment. What'd you find online? He says, this is what it is, okay? He says, it's a creek that starts above 14th Street, is now underground all the way down 10th and Page, under the city yard. The creek crosses 4th Street into Vinegar Hill and turns under the Almoro County former Lane High School building. It's now exposed from the county parking lot by the recycling center. Sketches Greenway passes in front of the car rescue squad and along the eastern edge of McIntyre Park under Melbourne Road and joins with Meadow Creek west of Rio Road. And he moved here in September of 1963. He spent more time in this community than I have been alive. Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, you have made this program better. 37 and 23. He's been here 60 plus years, the mayor of McIntyre has. What have you found on Sketches, Sketches it's, Branch? It's Shanks. How do you know that? Because I looked up Sketches Branch and I found Shanks Branch. So how's it spelled? S C H E N K S. Okay. Shanks Branch. Tell me what you found on Shanks Branch, please, sir. I mean, there's something on storymaps.com. ArcGIS.com about Shanks Branch tributary stream restoration. Did you know about this before today's show? Know about this? Did you know about this creek? I did not. I don't know a whole lot about the creeks around town. Uh, I also found something on uh, charlottesville.gov trails that's got, uh, let's see... I love when I learn from you guys. You guys make the program better. Uh, let's see. Todd Rath, you make the program better. Multi-use trails exist at Riverview Park and upstream along the Ravana River. Mead Park at Shanks Greenway. Um, let's see. They actually have a link to Shanks Greenway, I think. All right. Well, we encourage everyone to look up Shanks Branch. Um, online. I didn't know anything about Shanks Branch. Thank you for uh, the knowledge, um, Mayor of McIntyre. I'm very grateful. I also was surprised to hear that the digital and print subscription for the Daily Progress is $69 a month. That's 19 more, roughly, than just the digital subscription alone. Shanks Branch is a stream in Virginia. Situated nearby to the locality Rockbrook and the hamlet Willow Heights. Ooh, Maria Marshall Barnes is sharing a link to Shanks Branch. Maria Marshall Barnes, thank you kindly for sharing this link. I will check this out. He says it's pronounced sketch, like Rio isn't Rio. Okay, that's He says fair. it's pronounced S-K-E-N-C-H, sketch. He's been in the area for 60 years. We just heard about this brand and moniker. I think we should listen to the man. Uh, I mean, I'm just, uh, normally the way it's spelled would be pronounced shanks, but if uh, locals pronounce it skench. uh, Tomato, tomato. Norfolk, Norfolk, Norfolk. Stanton, Staunton, Stinton. Rio, Rio. We got places like that. We had places like that in Maine, too. Today's show... We did the best we could with what we got. We hope you enjoyed the program. We bust our heinies doing this show for you every day. We legitimately bust our tails to provide this product to you. And the only thing we ask in return from you, the viewer and listener, is if you hit the like button. So if you like the show, just tap the like button. 
and, and if you could take it a step further, share the show to your Facebook page, your Twitter account, or tag a friend in the comment section that you think would enjoy it. I, I don't think I'm asking too much. We work really hard. All I want you to do is help us spread the gospel. That's all we want you guys to do. Nora Gaffney says there's a sign next to the recycling center for Sketches Branch. I didn't know about Sketches Branch. Thank you, my friends, for offering some perspective. It's 1.55 p.m., and I've been so busy, I need to eat my breakfast now. So I'm going to eat my breakfast burrito here on the set of the I Love Seville Network. For J-Dubs, his luscious locks, his well-conditioned beard, and a face that can rival Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Judah B. Wickhauer, the jack-of-all-trades, the jack-of-all-wits, an all-around great guy. A man who's consistent in his personality and demeanor. You get the same Judah every single day, and that's what makes him great. Love this guy. Twelve years working alongside each other. Since the blow-up I had a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I've been trying to be very thoughtful and kind. I appreciate that. I just wanted to let you know that. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville show on a Thursday. Peace out.